The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, the American Council of the Blind is going to Reno, Nevada this summer to celebrate a special event. ACB President Mitch Pomerantz and Walk Run Coordinator Dan Dillon have some details for us. To get us ready for Reno in style, ACB Reports for May 2011 begins with the Men's Fashion Report for Spring and Summer. From the Mirrors Project, here's Lynn Cooper. Men are looking at what I'm referring to as a 1960s rat pack look. That was the group of fellas, Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Peter Lawford, Joey Bishop. They did that Ocean's Eleven movie back in the 60s. The look of that movie is the look of the season. I'm going to uh, start with main clothing trends. And what we're seeing, all of this referencing this 1960s Rat Pat look, shirts. We have checks and bold stripes. We have smaller collars because with a smaller collar, it's better to wear a smaller tie. And the smaller, narrower neckties are back. They are either solid, they can have a little texture to them, but the most print we're seeing on these thin neckties is a very small, tiny print. We're also seeing sweater vests. Now, they are worn over a shirt open, and the shirt usually is uh, rolled up to the elbows. Sweater vests, a nice look. Chunky fisherman sweaters, the kind of sweater that Aunt Betty probably knitted for us at one point in our lives. These are a great thing to find at a second-hand shop. Once again, you want to shop with your human mirror to avoid things that are irreparable. But a chunky fisherman sweater is really big right now, worn very casually over a pair of khakis, which are the men's tan basic slacks for spring and summer. It can be worn over a T-shirt, probably not best shown over a sweater, and a boating sweater. It's called a boating sweater, but it's actually a boating shirt. It is something that was assigned to the French Navy in 1858, and this is probably one of the hottest, most accessible looks, Mike, because our gentlemen listeners can go into just about any men's store and get one of these graphically striped T-shirts. These are long sleeve. These are boat neck, meaning they're not crew neck. There's not like a half circle dip in front like a regular T-shirt. They are from shoulder to shoulder, straight across, open, and they have just two colors, either a color and another in wide horizontal stripes. For some reason, maybe because they've exhausted every other option, designers are really going crazy with stripes this year, and you're seeing it in women's wear as well. So this is something that men and women can pick up cheaply and easily and wear it with jeans, wear it with a pair of khaki slacks. It makes a statement. So you want to make sure that if you're going to be going to something a little dressier that you put a jacket over it. But this is one inch up to one inch and a half width of the stripe. And as I said, it's just two colors. Traditionally, it was just navy and white or black and white. That's a real easy, inexpensive way to be current and to show that one is trend-wise. Then another look is a double-breasted jacket worn open casually. That is done over more casual slacks, khakis, even dress slacks. 
not to be worn as a suit. Now, we know that a double-breast jacket, we've said in the past that it always be buttoned, that there's buttons inside, and then it goes over and it, it, it folds over, and it has four to six, in some cases, eight buttons. But the double-breasted jacket this season is worn open very casually. Another look that you're going to be seeing a lot of for fellas, very casual look, is a baseball jacket. Now, a baseball jacket refers to a zippered jacket, thin, not lined. Uh, It's usually in a cotton, solid, or a check, a very small check. And what makes it a baseball jacket is it actually refers to the jackets that baseball players wear when they're not out on the field. It has a band of stretch knit, and that band is at the wrist, and it's at the hem, and there's a strip of it at the collar. Usually that band is striped in contrasting colors, like if the jacket is khaki color, maybe the knit band would be a dark red and a dark navy. Then we have a look in suits that is extraordinarily slim. These are two-button. Now, once again, this is drama. This is what pushes the market. But suits are very, very, very slim, almost in such a way that I thought they looked like they were a size too small for the models. A shorter pants, the jacket even looks as though it doesn't fit. But this is very, very trendy. What we see in stores usually is much more modified. Slim cardigan sweaters. And this is a really nice accessible look, too. You don't have to spend a lot of money. doesn't have to be cardigan. But it can be worn over a shirt with a slim tie and then the fedora. And we're seeing it in straw with a ribbon hat band. And fedora, very classic men's hat style, but the fedora has a thinner rim around the hat. Then we're seeing Macintosh coats. And Macintosh referred to a British raincoat years ago that was actually uh, yellow, rubber-coated, and designed for heavy-duty monsoon-like rains. It comes to the knee, not a lot of bells and whistles, side pockets, if any, and a front covered button panel. So it's a very clean look. This comes in light tan, a khaki, which is always most versatile, all the way to navy blue and black. What we're seeing in jeans is lighter color. We call that a wash when a um, manufacturer does jeans. Unless they are dark, dark, dark indigo, as they call it, dark blue, almost black, they will wash them, and it is a system where they use different chemicals, different objects in that wash, and that gives it a different kind of distressed fading. So the jean wash this season is lighter, jeans are looser, and then we're seeing a lot of men wearing rolled cuffs. Same thing with a real loose khaki, rolled at the cuffs and just about at the ankle. So it's kind of uh, 1950s in that respect. That um, reminded me, Mike, of James Dean, that uh, very, I just came off of the beach in Nantucket kind of look. One of the big looks in men's accessories for spring and summer 2011 are skinny ties. And the skinny ties are essential to be proportional when you are wearing smaller collar shirts. Smaller collar, smaller tie. Smaller knot and a thinner tie. I don't mean smaller as in it rides above your belt buckle. No, it should always come to the top 
or in the middle of your waistband in front or your belt buckle. Skinny ties are very big right now, a solid, a little bit of texture, sometimes even a knit if we remember the mid-80s knit ties. And if there is any print, it would be very, very small and very subtle. You can wear it with the suit. You can wear those with a cardigan, as we talked about. But I suggest, Mike, that if we go with the smaller collared shirts and go with the skinny tie, that it be paired with that very thin, slim-fitting suit or jacket. We don't want a skinny tie and a small collared shirt with our classically tailored, regular-fitting suits. Then what we're seeing a lot of, uh, pocket squares. And pocket squares are literally the little small hankies that go into the left breast pocket in a sport coat or a suit. All the way from formal wear on to casual wear, they're worn very casually, kind of really irreverently, if you will, because pocket squares, as we call them, or pocket puffs, they are usually, as I said, worn for more dressy occasions. So they're being done in polka dots, cotton, silk. They're worn for day. You know, even if a fella is wearing a very casual linen sleeves rolled up jacket, it's kind of a nice little fun touch to do a very bright colored. They're in very bold, bright colors. Patterns such as polka dots, paisleys, a check, just a little wink, really, when I look at them. It just brings a small smile to my face. And sunglasses. We're seeing the continuation of what we refer to as Ray-Ban Wayfarers, and that's a style by the Ray-Ban company. They're nice because they're polarized and what have you, so they're good for um, sun reflection. And then we also are seeing aviators, and we described those last season, and that is a wire rim with a round bottom but a flat top, and they literally were designed for pilots, and hence the name aviators. Another throwback to the 60s are tie bars. I don't know if any of us remember tie bars, but we can probably find these easily. I think I still have one somewhere in the drawer. Mike, you are so hip. Now put it on. (laughs) Tie bars literally, or for my pop anyway, were a way to connect your tie to your shirt so it didn't fall into your soup or your food or flap around on your body. When men's wear became more casual, a lot of things like this went by the wayside. But this is another wonderful idea for going into a secondhand shop. I am sure they are loaded with them. They were also one step above socks as a Christmas (laughs) gift from Grandma. You are right. In the grand scheme of things, especially for a young man, I'm sure this was not the ideal gift because it's spoke to the fact that in order to enjoy this gift, one had to wear a shirt and tie. Bummer. Shoes. One thing is continuing from last season, and that is leather nubuck, which is a shaved suede, and that's N-U-B-U-C-K. This actually came from like the 1950s. My pa talked about having nubuck saddle shoes, and these are essentially Oxfords. Not a lot of stitching detail, Usually, the real Nubuck Oxford will have a red, sort of a rubbery sole. But this is a shaved suede leather, and they are tie-up. Now, another look that's really big but really casual, loafers, penny loafers, of course, are big, but loafers that are really hot for spring and summer are called Topsiders, and that's actually the brand name, Top, T-O-P, Siders, S-I-D-E-R-S. And that has a white sole. It's a slip-on. 
and it has a little leather tie that goes all around the shoe and ties on the top. The top siders are used for the deck of a sailboat. Now, these top siders refer to going top side, and that is how that's referred to when you are sailing. If you're down below, you go top side. Now, the top side deck of a ship is usually white, and if it is not used for industrial fishing, you don't want to wear a shoe on that boat where you could slip and slide around or scuff the top side of the boat. It sort of gives that whole, gosh, I have all the time and the money in the world, and I just got off my sailboat look. And socks. Uh, the question here is, what socks? We are not seeing a lot of socks for casual for men. Now, once again, we have to use our better judgment. That doesn't always work in every climb. But we are always seeing socks with lace-up dress shoes, like I mentioned earlier, the Oxfords. Another really big look and a way for our gentlemen listeners to incorporate a trend inexpensively is a woven belt. These woven belts are literally woven leather. They are in all price points. They are casual, not a good idea with a suit. Another accessible look in the new belt trends is either a ribbon belt, which is literally about two inches wide, and a very thick ribbon, literally like a grain ribbon, and that's usually striped, and it has a metal slide buckle. That's a very big look, and that metal slide buckle is not the kind of pull-it-through loop and hole buckle that most belts are. It is a military-style buckle, and you can even find these inexpensively at an Army-Navy surplus store. And then oddly enough, or maybe not oddly enough, with the really slim suit look and what have you and shirts, we're seeing big, all-black, chunky wristwatches. And here, Mike, we're seeing wavy and longer on top with a side part and a cleanly shaved neck. Really, once again, taking all direction from the 1960s. There we have it, some runway trends for men for the spring and summer of 2011. Visit Lynn at her website, lynncooper.us. That's L-Y-N-N-C-O-O-P-E-R dot U-S. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. The American Council of the Blind held its first annual meeting in 1961. The organization will celebrate its 50th birthday this year. This milestone event will be observed from July 8th through July 16th in Reno, Nevada. ACB President Mitch Pomerantz says we're proud to tell our age. We are planning what we think will be a very special ACB National Conference and Convention. We need to recognize our past, but uh, people also, I think, uh, say, well, we don't want to dwell on our history forever. We want to look at the present and the future as well. So we're planning three separate panel presentations, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The first dealing with our history, with why we became a separate organization. There are still two or three of the original charter ACB members with us. We're hoping to have at least two of them at the convention. So we're going to talk about our history. We're going to talk about why we're the organization we are, what created ACB. We're then going to have a second panel that will address the present 
celebrating our victories, celebrating our successes over the past several years. And then, because if you only look at the past or the present, you're not going to be prepared for the future, uh, we're looking at a third panel, which will include both younger ACB members as well as newer ACB members to talk about the future, their vision for this organization 5, 10, 15 years out. We have invited to keynote Sunday evening Gilles Pepin, who is the CEO for Humanware, and we're going to uh, have Gilles talk about his vision for technology as it relates to us. There has been a call to explore HIPAA, the statute that allows for certain health matters to be private. More and more healthcare providers are putting medical records on the internet so that the person who's affected can look up his or her own records and medical history. Are those medical records accessible? And what do we need to do to assure that medical records will be accessible? There's an issue also of folks who go into doctor's offices. They don't bring a sighted assistant or a family member. The receptionist says, we need you to fill out this paperwork. The person says, well, I don't have anyone here to fill out the paperwork. The receptionist says, well, take it home. Well, I don't want to take it home. I have a doctor's appointment now. So the receptionist grudgingly may work to fill out the paperwork, but where do they do it? All of this comes under the rubric of HIPAA and our right to privacy and access to our medical information. We're probably going to look at the World Intellectual Property Organization's efforts to uh, open access across borders to Braille materials for blind and visually impaired folks living in other countries. It's been a good couple of years for ACB. I'm real proud of what we've accomplished. I want to personally encourage as many as possible to consider attending the conference and convention this summer in Reno. July 8 to 16, it's going to be an opportunity for folks to get a broad perspective about the organization, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. That was ACB President Mitch Pomerantz. The American Council of the Blind will hold its 50th annual conference and convention in Reno, Nevada. The dates are July 8th through the 16th, 2011. The hotel is the John Esquega Nugget Hotel Resort Casino. The room rate is $87 per night plus tax for singles or doubles. Reserve your room now by calling 1-800-648-1177. That's 1-800-648-1177. Use group code GBLIND. That's G-B-L-I-N-D to be sure you receive the annual conference rate. Reserve your room now by calling 1-800-648-1177. This year marks the third annual ACB Walk Run. This fundraising and public awareness event will be held on Sunday, July 10th as part of the 50th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind, Dan Dillon is the event coordinator. This year it's the ACB Walk Slash Run, but our slogan is Striding for the Gold and the Silver State. 
The silver state, of course, being Nevada, which right. is where ACB's 50th annual conference and convention will be held this year in July. When and where will this walk occur? We've got a beautiful venue for the walk this year, probably the best so far. It's going to be at a what they call the marina. That's actually in Sparks, Nevada, which is right next to Reno. And we'll be walking around the lake, a nice wide path, and plenty of grass for the guide dogs, 1.8 miles around the walk route. Plenty of wildlife. Now you're talking about wildlife and not parties, right? <laughs> yeah, birds and ducks and things. Yeah, just making sure it is, after right, all, an ACB right. gathering. It'll be held on Sunday morning at 7 a.m., so the buses will leave from the hotel around 6.30 in the morning. It's only a few blocks from the convention hotel. We hope to have everybody back between 9 and 9.30. So it's just a once-around-the-lake type walk? Well, it is a walk-slash-run, so uh, people can do what they want to do. The runners will probably want to run around there a couple of times. The walkers, if they're fast walkers, I guess they can walk around there a couple of times. But we're going to have awards and uh, medals, and we've got a couple of extra incentives this year to encourage people to get out there and get pledges from friends, family, co-workers. For every $100 a participant raises, their name goes in the pot for a drawing for a nice prize. And since it's our 50th anniversary, those people that get out there and get 50 pledges or more their names will be put in a pot for a real special drawing for a nice prize. And the entry fee is $25. To get more information about the walk, you can go to acbwalk.com. This is the third time we've right. done this walk. I believe the first one was in Orlando, and then we did Phoenix. How did the idea of the walk come about, and how has it progressed over the first three years? Well, I'm kind of a, an exercise nut, and uh, I love to walk, and I have been for many years, and I thought it would be a wonderful way to raise money for the American Council of the Blind and promote physical fitness, promote independence, and make more people aware of the American Council of the Blind and what we're all about. And the first year, we raised over uh, $24,000. We had 57 or 58 participants. And then last year, we had 82 participants, we didn't raise quite as much money last year, though. So we raised around 19000 So this year, we want it to be bigger and better. We're kind of greedy. We want more participants, and we want more money. We're encouraging uh, people not only to pay their $25 entry fee, but we're encouraging them to get out there and seek pledges from uh, friends and family, coworkers, people they attend church with, and businesses in their communities. But if people cannot attend the convention, or if they can attend the convention but just don't have time or don't want to do the walk out there, they can become a virtual walker, and they can walk back home in their community. They can walk around their subdivision where they live, or really they don't really have to walk at all. They just pay their $25 entry fee and get out there and seek pledges, and they're eligible, just like a participant in uh, Sparks, for all the uh, medals and uh, trophies and, and the drawings for the prizes. When's your cutoff date? We're not going to turn down any pledges or any participants. But if you want to have your name placed in the pot for the drawing for these nice prizes, and if you want to be eligible for medals and trophies, 
you have to have your money in to the Minneapolis office by June 30th. You've got from the time you hear this interview until the last day of June to get pledges, money into the Minneapolis office. That's correct. And for some reason, a lot of people kind of wait to later on in the year to sign up for the walk and get out there and get pledges. And frankly, I think a lot of the people that make pledges kind of wait till the last couple of months to make their pledges. We will have plenty of volunteers to assist people that need assistance. We will have plenty of uh, food and drink, probably water and probably something like granola bars, something fairly healthy to consume. We're excited. There definitely will be some really nice prizes that we'll be drawing for. When will that happen? The drawing will be held the day of the walk. At the end of the walk, we'll have a brief award ceremony, and we'll get President Mitch Pomerantz to uh, hand out the uh, trophies. We usually have a trophy for the fastest runner and the walker that crosses the finish line and uh, the oldest and the youngest participant. We also give a trophy for the affiliate that brings in the most money. And any person or team, you can form a team if you wish, that brings in $1,000 or more will receive a trophy. And if I didn't mention it earlier, of course, there will be a prize for the individual that brings in the most money. And then we'll proceed with our uh, drawings for these uh, nice prizes. Last year, everything was a little bit down financially. Hopefully it will regain financially this year and also will continue to grow physically in terms of number of participants. We hope so. We promote friendly competition. The first two years we did the walk. We really got into some friendly competition between the teams. I've been saying all along, if you can have fun raising money for a good cause, it doesn't get any better than that. Plus, it benefits you, especially if you go out and take part in the walk. So it benefits you and benefits ACB. Have we gotten media coverage in the past? I know in Orlando we were part, actually, I believe, of another event. We partnered with Track Shack in Orlando. But last year we were completely on our own. We did have a beautiful article written about American Council of the Blind in our event. And then the day of the walk, there were two local television channels there to do some coverage. This year, we hope to get a sports talk radio involved in uh, promoting our walk slash run and maybe even get a personality from this sports talk radio to act as an MC. We're still working on that, but that's what we hope to do. And we hope to put posters up in businesses that are very close to the uh, walk site. So the word will be spread locally, letting people know that we are in town and, as you say, about the capabilities of the individuals who are the American Council of the Blind. There are a lot of very talented athletic abilities within ACB. There are. I just think it's a great way to promote physical fitness and good health and make people aware of the American Council of the Blind and promotes independence. And bottom line, hopefully we'll raise a lot of money for ACB. Once again, the website is acbwalk.com. If you cannot register online, contact the National Office for information about how to register over the telephone. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. 
Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.